Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week, I am joined here by Dwayne. Yeah, man, we brought out the Polytech alumni or the Polytech staff or Polytech crew. So, so welcome back to the podcast, the one and only, the person that is the hardest to absolutely reach for this podcast, the one that the marketing analytics department completely fails at doing all the time. Soccer Dan is back on the podcast. Hey, happy spring break to, to all the kids out there. Um, I, I hope you guys all deserved it and that you uh, all get to take some much needed rest. There you go. Thank you for having me on again. Absolutely. And today, uh, she's finally getting her own episode uh because since the last episode she was on we basically Dwayne and i got a text message that said uh i'm only coming back if i get my own episode if not uh count me out uh so kp is back on the podcast today with her interview that's how i came back because i heard she was going to be on i was like oh i gotta hear how this goes simmons this is why i came back because i heard you were going to be on so look at that (laughs) What, what whatever it takes right Oh man, what a what a great crew! This is this is also the Delaware Union Diamonds crew, oh, right yeah. here, right that. here, yeah. Uh, so we'll listen. We'll, we're going to start out before we do some tournament updates. We'll start out with the Delaware Union Diamond news. Um, so we're happy to have KP and Dan on in the podcast, but Dan specifically because uh, he is going to be our goalkeeper coach for the Delaware Union Diamonds. And today we're announcing, again, you're hearing it first on the podcast as it's also coming out on social media. Um, we're announcing our two goalkeepers or two of our goalkeepers, our first two goalkeepers that, that we're going to have. Uh, Caroline Scott and Madeline Naw are going to be the two of the goalkeepers that we have on the Delaware Union Diamonds. Uh, Caroline plays in our club currently and is committed to go to Iona next year and then madeline uh or maddie or mo however we decide to call her throughout the year uh played at delaware union is now playing at her sinus um and she played for a club even back when it was used to be the mot days uh so um yeah so we we're really excited dan you know both of these goalkeepers relatively well too yeah yeah it'll be fun to work with them yeah no this is gonna be we're we're gonna we're really looking forward to it. Uh, we have a couple more tryouts coming up. April 25th and May 21st are our next tryouts. For all that information, make sure you follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Diamonds and Instagram at Diamonds, And, of course, our Delaware Union social media accounts, facebook.com slash Union on Instagram at Soccer and on Twitter at Soccer. So, moving on to... Tournaments. Uh, Dwayne, you and I were at Hocasting this past weekend. Yeah, it was wet. Well, at least on Sunday, it was <laughs> Sunday, wet. Sunday, uh, it was really wet. Uh, so, uh, a quick little story about the Sunday game. So, Dwayne, Dwayne came out to the game on Sunday with the 2010 girls. And uh, and this is a group that Dan knows very well. So, yeah. we, had, we had talked about on Saturday about how at one point during their warm-up of their first game, I told them that they looked like they had on their way to the game seen a seen a, bo- a box of like uh, puppies that didn't have a home. Uh, they looked really sad and like just 
basically yeah so kind of like the phase that kp just put together (laughs) so i said no we can't just think about sad puppies we need to think about like happy puppies happy puppies that like have a home that that you get to basically come home to a like just a playpen full of puppies and, and all these other things so and that put a smile on their face so we we morphed from uh happy puppies into sunday when it was raining to being just like angry puppies just like flat out like don't care like we're gonna get dirty puppies um and uh it actually worked well like we you know obviously the result wasn't the one we were looking for but at the same time i thought their effort was absolutely outstanding um and doing this is a group that you've you've seen throughout the year uh what did you see from your perspective because obviously i i see it with the coach goggles on well, I got to see some improvements from some players. Uh, one player in particular, her and her brother, I saw a lot of improvement from the fall. And it wasn't like they were in a bad spot, but it was just like, wow, like this is what winter training can do for a certain player. So I just saw a lot of improvements from your team, just overall maturity, all the way they play on the field and how they kind of carry themselves. So it's kind of good to see. Um, look forward to watching them continue to develop in the spring to, you know, mold themselves into that team. Cause you can start to see that they're starting to figure out certain pieces. Yeah. No, their attitudes were, were, were outstanding this weekend. Um, and I got to watch the rest of the girls teams play. Um, I got to watch the 2011s a little bit, 2012s a little bit, uh, both on nine girls teams. And, and overall I thought we, the upside is, is that I saw Delaware union teams playing like Delaware union teams. Right. So we, whether the results went our way or not um, is almost secondary. Uh, we, our style of play was, was for sure there with all of our players and all of our teams, which that's, that's ultimately the goal. Uh, and then Dwayne, you, you got to spend time with the boys side. Yeah. To piggyback off that, it's so easy to hop on and cover for a coach or whatever, when everybody's playing the same way, like they all understand play this certain way. So I got to work with the 2011 and 2012 boys and we were, you know, we were working on, you know, breaking lines, playing the longest pass and just getting them to understand the different scenarios and how to go about those. So they were co- extremely competitive, both games, both teams, uh, but just worked on breaking lines and can you find the longest pass? And they started to have fun with it and, you know, they had a pretty good week of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this weekend, some of our teams are at Cecil. Um, Soccer Dan makes a guest coach appearance this weekend, uh, which is super cool. I get to not coach anybody. I just get to show up and watch, which is kind of fun. Um, oh, I got an 8.30 game. I need a, I need a formation. <laughs> <laughs> For 9 9 Yeah, <laughs> I need some tips. Uh, go. You can never go wrong with a 3 4 one and 9 9 All right, cool. 3 4 one, solid. Make solid. it a 9 debut. It, it it allows you to play on a counterattack. Uh, it, it allows you to go build out quickly. You get outside players going forward, so it almost feels like three forwards at any given point. Solid defensively. You're good. Good to go. Cool. There you go. Perfect. Done. All right. Next next topic. See, that was quick. That's how that's that's how we do it. Um, all right, KP. Let's 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 get let's we're gonna we're gonna put the put the spotlight on you now. Um. When did you start playing soccer? I um, started when I was four, and I absolutely hated it. Um, yeah, I remember I played with 
for my stepdad coached and I remember he would like throw me in and I would just step across the line and cry and I wouldn't run, wouldn't move. I would didn't even touch a ball for probably my first like year playing soccer. And then once I cried and realized it was really annoying, he took me off and I was fine. So, but they kept, um, I wouldn't say forcing me to do it, but like I kept playing and obviously it turned out really well. So at what point did you actually like it started enjoying it though? Um, I guess not until after like going from rec to travel. So as soon as like you can start the traveling age, I think that's when I started doing it because it was more competitive. And then that's when I met a lot of like my friends. So mm. part of the competitiveness, I feel like is also like something that drives you, right? Yes. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So then you, you played at Polytech uh, and then you went to ship, mm-hmm. right? So how was that experience in general from to being a, a student athlete in college, uh, especially kind of got kind of far from home, like, you know, obviously driving distance, but not right next, like out of state basically. Yeah. Um, so I think my recruiting process was really strange. I didn't research the PSAC Shippensburg at all. Um, and I was looking between here, a few other schools, and then Salisbury was my other like top choice and their assistant coach actually left. So I threw them out of the option cause I wasn't looking to go there once he left. Um, and then I came to ship and I just, he went and saw me play at Bloomsburg where we were at a tournament and I just committed that day. So really it wasn't like much thinking or process of it. I just kind of like, they offered money and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go to here. Um, and that's where I spent the next now six years. So, <laughs> um, so how is that? Really yeah, go ahead. Transition. If yeah. that's what you're gonna ask next. Well, yeah, and then well, yeah, how was how was the transition, you know, from being college from a student athlete into now being a coach? Like you like you're coaching some of the players you were teammates with. So how how does that work? I definitely think it stems from going from like club and high school to college. Cause I think it was one, it was a wake-up call because I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was definitely one of the better players coming from Delaware and going to college. But once I got here, like there was way like it was just a lot of like good players that could like compete. So it was constantly like I had to, you know, actually try at practice versus like knowing in you know my club teams and all that that I was going to play. Um, so going from coach or player to coach was even stranger because I vented to some of these players about my experience playing at college and now I'm coaching them. So like it was setting the boundaries between like professional and like, I still want to be your friend to those who I played with because like we have that player bond. Um, but it's definitely a lot easier now. Dan, can you verify that? Like the, the, the part about uh, her, her yeah, yeah, her abilities. So I will tell you that, Kirsten had all the ability that you could ask for. Um, But I want you to picture that four-year-old girl stepping across the line and, and crying until she got her way. And that's exactly what I had in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That attitude, all that stuff. And it would be like, I saw her do some amazing things, not just for a, uh, a female athlete, but for a, 
um, you know, an athlete in general. And then I would get that little girl that would just cry on the sideline. And it's like, oh, dang it, which, which Kirsten am I going to get today? Um, so, so it, I can, ver I can totally verify what she is saying. And all I can hope is that she gets to coach that little girl with that crappy attitude. I just can't <laughs> wait to hear how karma just comes back and bites her. I am so looking forward to those days. Or the karma will come, but I think my coach here could back up the, you, you didn't know what Kirsten you were going to get for the day because it just carried her here. Once I didn't realize I wasn't getting the playing time that I wanted, it was like just kind of attitude the whole time until my senior year. Then I was like, I'm going to be here for my friends and just what go day by day because graduation was close, but then I stayed in coach. So Kirsten's really the reason why I went seeking a sports psychologist. <laughs> Are you serious? I did. Um, I do think, you know, me and my one friend did. Uh, I'm serious. Oh, sorry. That was serious. He's dead serious. <laughs> uh, yeah, we definitely um, gave Simmons a hard time. But it was out of love, Simmons. So her her one friend, like she just said, her I one have, friend. I have two <laughs> from high school. And and in full disclosure, I've known Kirsten since just a little, probably since she started playing travel soccer because she played with my niece Grace. So yes. it, like so, I definitely saw the evolution of KP, and it was it was interesting. Well, I think that's that's part of the that's part of the development. I think part of what you end up finding yourself in college at times of just like realizing that sometimes high school and, and it's so interesting, especially coaching high school high school age players or coaching high school soccer now. And I think you you try to think back to that to that time of just like you think everything is like the most the most like important thing in the world at that moment, and then ultimately, you know, when you look back after you graduated a couple for a couple of years. You're like, oh my God, I worried about the silliest things, or I like I thought the silliest things were the most important things. But I think one of those things is the fact that, like, again, sometimes the 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 not getting your way or or the realization that you might be the best player on a team. Um, and so like then there comes that that drive until you because again, you're you're big fish in a small pond, and then when you move to that next level, you're you're just another part of the the school of fish technically, you know, you know, pun intended, I guess. So, uh, so, you know, it, that there's that transition that goes along with it that I think it's so important. I think coaching also allows you to see it, you know, like Dan, Dan, you know, speaks about the player that, that you're, that you're ultimately at some point going to hopefully coach that you're going to see yourself in a mirror almost and go, Oh my God, no, this is, I'm coaching myself as a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old or whatever the age is. And that's the interesting part, right? Like sometimes I get asked the question of like, Oh, coach Sebastian, what were you like as a player? And I was like, my response is always the same. I was not the example person. I was angry. I was kind of a jerk. I got, into, I got into fights with, with my teammates. I didn't want to practice. Um, so I was like, not the example, which again, like it's almost the polar opposite of what I am like right now as a soccer coach, you can't take me out of the field. You can't like, I, I, I'm, I, I, I usually pretty friendly. Um, 
but so like it, it it's it, you don't realize that until afterwards of like what becomes important and and it's it's part of growth right it's a growth that you're looking for constantly as a person and as even as a soccer player um and even as a coach you know i i went through a period of of doubt a few weeks ago of my coaching abilities um just internally didn't couldn't figure out a problem figured out like so uh coach chad and i were texting back and forth yesterday and we came out with the mantra for for our spring season which is going to be don't come at me with uh with problems unless you got a solution for it like if you don't got a solution for the problem don't don't come talk to me i don't, don't want to hear shirts we, we can we can get shirts we can get shirts unless you got a, unless you got a solution to the problem. Don't talk to me. Like, I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear your opinion about it. I just, I want, I want solutions to problems. So I think I'm thinking I actually, I'm thinking I should get that tattooed on my backside. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, man. Would that be appropriate? <laughs> probably so. probably not. I, I wouldn't mind sharing that. <laughs> um so you can edit that out if you'd like <laughs> no it's all right we don't we don't edit things out on the on the podcast um maybe you'll have like an edited version like the uncut version and then the for kids version there you go like the director's cut there you go <laughs> yeah yeah um so kp in how was how was soccer dan as a coach because i mean like i never got to i've only seen dan as a coach um like on the sidelines, like co-coaching or, or, you know, as a, as a, um, as a coworker, I've uh, never really experienced Dan as a coach myself. So how was, how was Dan as a coach? Um, so I've had a variety of coaches and there's only like two to three that stick out that left, you know, uh, a remembrance in my brain. So my first one that I played from, uh, like very first starting out travel, uh, favorite coach of all time. And then second would be Simmons. Um, just because he was very open and willing to like work with ideas that players brought to him. Um, especially if, you know, he's not on the field, so he's not seeing how we're seeing it. Um, but I mean, he was definitely very helpful and he wasn't, I wouldn't say like a negative impact on all of the players that he has had. So was your first coach Chad? No. <laughs> no. Chad was my last coach. Um, and I would say he would maybe be the third one, but I wouldn't call him like a favorite at all. He was just like a good coach. And now thinking back on the reasons he did his stuff, I get it. But at the time, um, he dealt with like the worst attitude coming from Kirsten because I just didn't agree with some of his decisions and that's but now that I think about it like it does make sense and it was like for beneficial purposes so angry puppy angry puppy (laughs) (laughs) listen let me tell you this like so it wouldn't take much like I remember I would give these those little dum-dum lollipops to get Kirsten to do something and it would be great but if I didn't have a dumb, dumb lollipop, I could not beg. I couldn't plead. I, there was nothing that could be done to make her happy or to get what I wanted. But for a dumb, dumb lollipop, yeah, sure. No problem. I, I got you. I'll do it. I'm like, all right. So no, it was, uh, 
it, it was quite a time in my life. That's for sure. I think one of the questions is how did you get over some of the struggles? Uh, she was one of those struggles. <laughs> well, <laughs> you got through it. You're here, aren't you? I am here. Yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, this is, this is one of those, this is like, this is, and Dan and I have had this conversation before um, as I've learned to truly love Delaware and, and it's such an interesting place. I think, um, I think part of it is the fact that again, it's like living in a really big, small town um, for part of it, you know, everybody, everybody knows everybody else. But I think at the same time, it allows you to go full circle with things, right? Like it allows you to now have a different relationship with a person that used to coach you that you may have all these struggles with. And all of a sudden, like we're, we're all going to share a field together. We're all going to share a sideline together and and get ideas off each other and things like that. And at some point, it's going to be fun. At some point, we're going to disagree on things like it, it's going to it's bound to happen. Um, Derrickson and I have been in, in, a, in a disagreement, for example, for the last week and a half. Um, we've, we've, we have a difference in opinions in one specific topic. We are there. It doesn't affect our relationship. We just agree to the fact that we don't agree on the same, on that one specific topic. So, um, but it doesn't take away from our relationship. And I think this is, that's what a, this collection of coaches for this one specific team is going to be great. But I think at the same time, the addition of Kirsten into our club is going to bring that that Delaware energy that's, that's needed. And at the same time, um, that growth that she's experienced from playing in a, from playing and coaching in a different place too. So um, speaking of that, now that you're going to be moving back to Delaware in, in May, um, what are you looking forward to as, as you get back to, as you move back home after six years? Um, I am honestly just like counting down the days until I move back to Delaware. Cause I'm so excited just to be back in Delaware. I can't, nothing wrong with PA, but I'm just six years too long. Um, and there's just people who say there's not much to do in Delaware really, you know, haven't explored it because I just prefer to be home. Um, so I'm 100% a homebody and will probably not move out of Delaware once I move in there. So that's pretty confident to say, unless I retire and move to like Arizona or something, but that's retire. What? Like you're already thinking about retiring. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) absolutely Dan she might be Dan she's gonna beat you to retirement you haven't even started and you want to (laughs) retire well I have it all planned out you know (laughs) you already have your retirement planned out oh I don't have her life planned out I have my life planned out she's got her future husband's life planned out let me tell you that's the KPI I know (laughs) <laughs> yep, I sure do. Whoever that might be. <laughs> I have it all planned. I have it planned out so it's an easy transition for both of us. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> is this is this, is this part of like a little preview of you as a coach in general though? It, what plan and organized? Are you guys not planned and organized? Oh, we are. You oh just, yeah, absolutely. You know I me. Just, <laughs> yeah that's yeah uh the i think the the hard part is is that like and and ultimately i can i can tell you this dan can tell you this Dwayne can tell you this and you ultimately don't really figure it out until you experience it like you can have all the plans in the world Mm -hmm. but the one thing you can't plan for is uh how kids are going to react to your plans (laughs) like you mike tyson said it and everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face 
Yep. Great. <laughs> I mean, it that's really what it comes down to. Like, um, I had a plan for that Sunday game. For the last two weeks, I've had a plan for that Sunday game. The one thing I didn't plan for was rain in a muddy field. I, I even I even planned for the rain um leading up to it and I was good with it. And then literally 12 hours before the game, our field got moved to a really crappy field. So like your plan goes kind of goes out the window. So and it's one of those things that you like and coaching is a funny does a does something funny, which is allows you to fail a couple of times before you end up figuring things out, which is also kind of fun. Um, and then you realize that you need to have plans for your plans and for your plans plans. Um, and then at some point you just got to go, you know what? We're over the fence plans out the window. Who cares? Um, um, yeah, well, that's definitely my mentality mentality. I'm easily able to adapt to whatever challenges are coming, that's good. but you said failure. And I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that if you view failure as like first attempt in learning versus like failing, you know, po- more positive, like, yeah mindset and outcomes. So. Absolutely. We talk about it at practice all the time. Like we want to make a ton of mistakes at practice. Like that's, that's what <laughs> like, that's our goal. Like, like mm-hmm. make a ton of mistakes. Uh, if you don't make mistakes, you're not learning, right? You're not, you're not moving forward. So, all right. Um, so outside of soccer, uh, obviously you're the youngest of, of the group. Um, so outside of soccer, have you have you gotten to do anything work-wise that is kind of cool, interesting jobs that you may have had? High school jobs inside in the state of Delaware. Um, nothing really exciting. Uh, you know, in high school I worked just like the typical like jobs that like a high schooler would work at like a retail store. And it was awful, but all my jobs have benefited my parents getting discounts at where I have worked. Um, and then I think the most exciting place, um, throughout summers that I've worked is dogfish head. So, I mean, that's kind of cool. A quality beer is pretty good. And again, it benefited my parents getting the 50% off. So (laughs) those are the only exciting, that's the only exciting place other than coaching. So it didn't benefit coach Dan. (laughs) Dan still don't know his beer. (laughs) Yeah, it's. I figure one of these days it'll come back to me. <laughs> is that like, is that like one of those like lifetime discounts that you get just because you worked there for one summer or no? Um, well, so I'm definitely friendly with the managers. She's very cool. So you keep a good relationship. You get the discount. <laughs> all of a sudden KP has all these friends that like she keeps talking about every day. It's, uh, it's not about what you know. It's who you know. Oh and no, for sure. And I've gotten to realize that in Delaware, in Delaware now, like, Listen, I think I think between Dwayne, KP, and Dan, we got we got Kent County locked down. Uh, we we're good to go. We we got we got everybody we need to know. Um, I would say, well, I live in Newcastle County, so. Oh well, f- fair enough, fair enough. Well, you're talking about Dogfish Head. That's that's further south. She's, she's got the prison locked down. <laughs> yeah, I live across from the prison. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, three favorite soccer players. Um, so Tobin Heath is my favorite. Um, then obviously Mia Hamm, which is definitely a throwback and, but an oldie, but a goodie. And then, um, from Man City, um, I do like the John Stones guy. Um, I think he's a pretty good center back. Um, and he's not ugly, so it doesn't, that doesn't hurt anything. So. (laughs) When she said John Stones, I knew exactly where she was going. (laughs) 
Yeah, he's not a John Stone's guy. He doesn't play too often, so I know exactly where she was going. (laughs) You you would think that like ultimately like that guy was born to be a center back, right? Like with a name like John Stone. That do you kid could like I don't think you see an attacking midfielder like, oh man, what a pass by John Stones. Like doesn't yeah. re- doesn't really roll off the tongue, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, like John Stone. No, it doesn't. It's, it's, it's gotta be like, oh my god, John Stone broke his leg. Like that rolls off the tongue. That does. Yeah, just see? be careful what questions you ask, KP. You just don't know where where <laughs> these answers are gonna come from. I listen after no, having known you for five years or six years. I I've, I'm used to that with you. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you see where she got it from. Yeah, I guess, right. Whatever you guys do at Polytech, the soccer director at Polytech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen, KP, uh, we, we love having you on the podcast and obviously we love having, uh, getting to know you better. Um, and we're excited to have you on for the rest of the season. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Um, yep. I'm excited. I'm an open book as well. So. Oh, great. That's awesome. Well, this, listen, there's a lot of, there's a lot of downtime in on the bench at times that we're just going to randomly get into conversations. So, um, all right, we're going to move on to high school soccer um, because that's happening in the spring and that's what everybody talks about now. So, uh, high school soccer. Uh, I had my first official game at Odessa High School. Um, Is it really official? Uh, I mean, it was a it was a game. It was a game. Okay, it was, a, it was a game. It was a game. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, it's the first like they wore jerseys. Okay. Is it on the website? It was on the website. It's official. I mean, it's I official. Up, I updated the website too. So like, was there a referee? There was. There was two of them. Official. Oh, that then it, if there were two, that is an official Delaware game. Uh, two, 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 two referees, two referees. We had scoreboard, we had a scoreboard, we had everything. We had corner flags, we we had it all. If you had two referees, yeah. the refs knew it wasn't a good game. <laughs> you only get three if they if it's a good game. Well, listen, we didn't have 22 players, like that's ultimately like <laughs> from a numbers perspective, we were short some players in the 22 player perspective. Uh, so we played. So Odessa High School played their first official JV game. Um, it's first, yeah, it's first, yeah, first official JV game. Um, the we played Del Castle. Um, we only, in general, are going to play seven v seven games at the uh, JV level. Uh, we only had six players. Um, Del Castle played with seven, uh, and we managed to pull off a win. So uh, we were we were very excited. So now Six you're the winning coach in Odessa history. Yes, winning is coach in Odessa history. Sure, that's official too. That's official. Yeah, largest margin of victory. And that actually might be true too. <laughs> Most goals scored in the game. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I didn't. I didn't look up the rest of the sports in the school to figure out if any other team had won their first official game. Um, there was a couple others that had won their first, like there was one or two that had won their first official game, but I don't think anybody had won by that margin of an, like margin of, uh, and nobody, nobody got a shout out the first game. I don't think so. So you got to thank your athletic director. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, it, it was fun. 
Um, we had one player who managed to score seven out of our 11 goals. So it was a good day for her. Um, so yeah, well, it's good, good times. Uh, Dan, how are, how are things in the polytech land of soccer? Mm. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not, I'm not there, um, as much as I used to be. So I stopped by and check it out, but I think that they're off to a good start. They've played three games. I think they have three wins. Um, they're young. I do know that. Um, and it's, uh, it's early in the season. That's right. So, so we'll see, but yeah, I think so far they're off to an, a good start. Um, and I'll, I'll keep you updated whenever I find out something. Yeah. Will you, will you make an appearance at the Polytech Odessa game? Yes. Oh, I will actually be your referee. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not an official game. Him, him and oh. Luis. <laughs> then never mind. <laughs> I might be the ball boy. Maybe, uh, <laughs> I will be the official ball boy. There you go. Of the Odessa Polytech JV soccer game. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> seven, seven aside. Well, we might, actually, only, we might only show up with six, so. Well, then we'll play five aside. We'll we'll move the goals in. No, it's all right. We we'll can play, play we'll across. Play, we'll play down a player. We're good. The question the question is, can Dan use the field after the game to run a training session? <laughs> there you go. That's the big question. That's why he's setting it up. He's like, can I use the field after <laughs> the game? Um, we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Um. All right, uh, U.S. men's national team and under twenty-three men's national team. Trash. Okay, I was wondering which which one are we talking about. <laughs> well, take your pick. We're ex- we're exiling the U twenty-three team. We're, <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not giving up. We don't know. We know we didn't. About what happens? We know we didn't make the Olympics. We know we didn't make the Olympics again. But we're at this point, we're used to that. But is that is that the thing we that you should be. be used to? We are not getting so, better playing in the Gold Cup. All right, so here's the question I have, and and I'm hoping that one of your podcasters, if not some one of our panelists, is able to answer this question because I truly, honestly, don't know. But how many players were on the first team playing that Sunday night that could have been? helping us qualify for the Olympics. All of them, the whole roster. So <laughs> except John Brooks. So I don't know. I mean, so that's therein lies the question. How important is the Olympics? Um, you know, would would having had Chris and Pulisic, Brendan Aronson, um Gio Reyna, Stephen, maybe G- yeah Reyna, Zach yeah. Stefan so, Zach Stefan's too old. Okay, so having had all those guys play against Honduras, what what would the difference have been? And we're, you know, so <laughs> well, maybe, but so we don't know. But without without us having a better understanding, or without me having a better understanding, I, I wonder. Yeah, for us, like for me as a as a fan of U.S. soccer. It is heartbreaking that yes, again, we're not playing in the Olympics. But is it how important is it? And why weren't those guys 
playing there rather than playing in a friendly. I mean, so two things, two things that go with that. One, um, out of the starting 11 from the Ireland game, there was one, two, three, four, five, six out of the 11 that could have played in that game. Um, obviously, the big two are Pulisic and Reggio Reina, Serginho Dest, uh, Yunus Musa, oh, Anton yeah. Robinson, and then uh, Siebatu, the, the guy that started up top. Not to mention again, you got Brandon Aronson and, and a bunch of other guys that are that are coming off the bench too. Um, that that's that's number one. Number two, I think part of it is was the COVID guidelines. So this is the reason why the South American uh, World Cup qualifiers were canceled for this for this this FIFA break was because if you left Europe, you had to when you came back to your club, you had to be quarantined for ten days. So, uh, or two or two weeks or whatever it was. And then ultimately the under 23 qualifier World Cup qualifiers aren't an officially sanctioned FIFA tournament. So the clubs have to release you to a FIFA, like official FIFA break, but they don't have to release you to a, uh, World Cup qualifier. So for example, I, I don't know exactly the situation. An Olympic qualifier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, uh, I don't know exactly the situation, but for example, Barcelona could have told Sergio Dest, "Listen, you can go play with the with the national team against Ireland and against Jamaica and Austria, but you can't go to Mexico to play against Honduras." Like maybe that's what it was. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what the logistics of that were. And obviously, there was. Um, I mean, in the 23 roster, in the U23 roster, there was players from overseas. It's not like all of them. Right in the U S but at the same time, maybe they play in some of the smaller clubs or, or maybe they don't play on the first team as regularly as, as some others. But, um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I think at some point though, like there has to be a, a focus on what's important. And then like, we can't say that like, Oh, we have these, all this young talent. And then when we can put all the young talent together in one specific place, we don't. And then just like, then say, oh well, whatever. Like, you look uh, at you look at Argentina, for example, right? Messi, Tevez, and Mascherano, maybe all play in Aguero, probably all played on that Olympic team and won the gold medal. Yes, uh, Aguero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, uh, Messi and Messi and uh, Aguero played together in the under twenties as well. I mean, Messi fought really hard in two thousand and eight to leave Barcelona to go play in the Olympics. Like he went up to Pep and was like, listen, man, I got to go. Like I'm going to wherever it was in 2008, uh, Beijing. But like, he, he was like, I'm leaving. I'm going like, I'm not, not going. So for those once in a lifetime <clears throat> opportunities, like Pulisic was saying he wants to play in the Olympics. So, yeah. I mean, I think if the players see the value, you know, us soccer, needs just kind of say, well, we need to make this a part of our, you know, development cycle like granted a lot like all of our talent is under 23 in their national senior national team players but we're still missing under here right we're, we're like Josie Altador's replacement could have been in that U23 squad yeah if we had strengthened it and we would stop talking about Josie Altador well, it's yeah. a but it really it sounds like it's a COVID issue it might have been is probably if that's the case, you know, most of those, the guys probably 
uh, didn't want to give up their salary or whatever, whatever the penalty would have been to, to be quarantined by traveling to. So, and, I, and I'll give you, and, and Duane brought up Argentina and Argentina specifically has gone up to gone through a different, uh, it's gone through a different change where now players or clubs, more specifically clubs are not releasing on their 23 players because they don't want to lose them from their club, especially in Argentina, like Argentinian clubs, uh, especially the big clubs will not release a player if he's a regular starter. Um, and so Argentina in preparation for the Olympics went to Japan to play two, two friendlies against Japan's under 23s. So Argentina's under 23s against Japan's under 23s list. The list from the Argentina national team started with like 35 players, 36 players right off the bat. Half the team was not allowed to go. So like you lost half your players right off the bat. And, and it was obviously your, your better players. So you were left ultimately with, with a, a decent enough squad um, if you looked at it on paper, but not the squad that had been playing together for a couple of years under 23s, under 17s, under 20s, and all that stuff. And then you lost three nothing to Japan in the second game, right? You beat him one nothing in the first game, lost three nothing, lost to two goals off of a corner kick five minutes apart from each other that were carbon copies of each other. It was, it was slight, to be honest, it was slightly embarrassing to watch. Um, but the interesting part about it is that when they're talking about the Japan team, Japan has invested in training the under 23 team almost year round, like once or twice a week. They're investing all this money because they're putting they're putting their eggs in that basket, right? It's the same reason why Mexico is usually good at those age groups, right? Under 17s, under 20s, under 23s. Mexico is really good at those age groups because they invest the time and money in the development of those national teams at that level, right? And it's not just a two-week training camp before a game. It's like a year-round process of like, here are the players we're bringing in on a yearly basis or on a weekly or bi-weekly basis or whatever it is. So I think that's I think it stems from that, right? Like we can't just say, "Oh, we're doing a two week mini camp," and then that's ultimately our under twenty three team. Oh, we're ready to go. Doesn't doesn't work. So I don't know. It's a I long. I also think issue. that, like, like to your point, where we want to cap some of these new guys, right? But sometimes they just pull guys. Like this guy's an American. Like who? Like they just start pulling guys. There's no like development going through like some guys like Mark McKenzie and some of those guys you see go up through the pyramid, but then some guys just like, who is this guy? Where'd he come from? Who's he play for? Dude, you should have been around 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Well, that wouldn't have been possible. (laughs) 26 years ago. Yeah. I mean, for everybody playing for a national team, half the people playing for a national team is like, who, who are they? Where are they from? So, um, no, it's. I was just curious how how important it is and and what the reason behind it was, because um, it was promising. Josh Sargent playing, you know. I mean, putting all these guys together, if it's that, if the Olympics is that important, could be. Is a question that I have really like, how important is the Olympics for us? You know, we we talked about it. It's been talked about, you know, hey, we have a great opportunity to put both of these national teams in um, excellent situations, and then this happens. Yeah, you lost yeah. You know, at least three more games that you could have played. Right. Like what happened in Honduras? 
you know, the point was made that Honduras has qualified as the only team in CONCACAF to qualify for the last four Olympics or something like that. So they have obviously stressed uh, the under-23 program. Yep. Um, but then what happens after it is kind of questionable uh, was, was the point that was made by the TV announcers. Um, so I was just, you know, it's interesting. No, for sure. Um, all right. So I want to, I want to take this off of soccer for a brief moment to bring them, bring it ultimately back to soccer. So, uh, the mighty ducks, um, you, you know, the movie franchise, right? Yeah. Everybody's familiar. Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Yep. All right. Perfect. Um, so who is Charlie Sheen's brother? Yes. Yes. Um, so I watched the new show uh, that came out on Disney Plus called Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Uh, it stars Emilio Estevez again. And at the same time, it's the the lady from Girl More Girls and Parenthood. I forget her name. Um, so it, it basically is the same idea as the old, as the original Mighty Ducks, right? So kid is playing for what is now the mighty ducks which now has turned into what used to be the hawks as he's like the bad team like the team that's just like cutthroat winning's everything if you're not winning you're losing that that kind of thing right a cobra kai type of model exactly exactly cobra gotcha. oh, perf- oh what a great what a great uh great pull there i love that um mm-hmm. so anyways so first two episodes basically the mom goes on this rant the kid her son gets cut um, spoiler alert if you haven't watched it i don't know uh, uh i don't plan on watching it but yeah but no just so anybody else out there if you hadn't watched it and you're like i mean I'll, i'm ultimately not going to tell you anything that you don't foresee already happening in the show um so anyways the mom the mom um goes on this rant when the kid gets cut from the team the coach um tells him well listen like it, your your reason why I'm cutting you is because I'm actually doing you a favor because this is clearly not your sport at 12 years old. Like you're not good enough. Like just don't bother playing, go somewhere else. So, um, so she s- decides to start her own team within this peewee hockey league or whatever. Um, under the basis that they're 12 years old, we shouldn't have their life planned out. Like ultimately it's a game. It should be fun. Shouldn't be all about winning or losing and things like that. So she takes over the team. She becomes the coach of the team, having zero experience as a hockey coach, takes over the team, pulls these, again, the, the random kids from all over the place, kind of like the Mighty Ducks did in the, in the original movie. Um, and they start their practice. First practice, instead of ho- doing hockey stuff, they, they start doing like team building, like sharing and, and trying to get to know each other. And then, then they go out on the, on the hockey rink and instead of, dropping a puck and actually playing there she brings out beach balls and they said that you know it's safer it's more fun play with beach balls instead of hockey pucks or whatever the son goes up to her and goes we have a game in three days we're gonna lose and she's like what does it matter if you lose one hockey game when you're 12 years old in the grand scheme of your life like does it is that really going to define you as a person to lose a game at 12 years old like winning or losing it's about it's a game it's about having fun right so then they go out, they lose the game, 12 nothing, something like that. So they're back in the locker room and the mom's like, yeah, but you played a game and you had fun. And the kid turns around and goes, it's not fun to get your butt kicked like 
regardless, right? It's still not fun to, to lose that bad. We suck. Like, so they go back on the ice and they closing shot is they go back on the ice and they, they, um, they're, they're trying, they're, they go back to skate as a group of players. They skate to try to get better, right? They're, they're trying to get better and improve, which led me to thinking about this as I was watching it this morning at like six o'clock in the morning, um, of where is the, where is the fine line between the, the fun, like fun winning doesn't matter. It's the game kind of thing. And like, where is the line to like, yeah, winning doesn't matter, but losing also sucks and no one likes that. And that's not fun either. Right. And I, and I wanted to relate that back to soccer and specifically our, our, our philosophy in the long-term development of kids where we don't focus on the immediate results, right? We look for that long-term development, but at the same time, is winning important? And at what point is winning important? So that's my that's my question to the group. All right, to be continued on next week's podcast. <laughs> well, so it, it is, right? I mean, and sometimes, and we've talked about it for years, really, you know, especially if you are looking to development or looking towards developing players, um, you know that there's a couple ways to go out to win, right? That you can win now by playing one way that that is not sustainable um, because various reasons, or you can work towards development. And yeah, you might lose. In fact, sometimes you, you probably know ahead of time that you're definitely going to lose. Um, but the, you have to look at like, well, there's going to be character development taking place, maybe not necessarily physical development. And so we look at how will the, the players react to it. And sometimes, and I think I've said this to anybody that will listen, adults ruin it for the kids and winning sometimes means more to the parents. I hope I'm not, upsetting any parents out there, but sometimes winning means more to parents than it does to kids. Um, you know, parents, the message that, that a parent sends out, whether it's verbally or physically after a kid's, after a kid's game, after they lose, can be more detrimental than what took place on the field. You know, the parents get in the car and they say, Oh, well, well, that Jimmy that's on your team, he didn't do this or, or your coach this and and the kids internalize that because bottom line is the kids, the players themselves know they want to make their parents happy. So whatever makes their parents happy is what they're going to, to, to buy into um, regardless of what the, the coach's point was, right. Uh, or what the coach is trying to do. If the parents are not happy, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. And I think we see that. And I know we see that far too frequently. Um, and if parents don't send the message, the right message to their son or daughter at the end of a loss, it can just, it can exacerbate. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what becomes a driving force. Well, we have to win in order to improve. Well, not necessarily. But everybody does want to win. I'm I'm certainly not going to sit here on this podcast and say uh, winning is overrated. 
but it, but I think there becomes times where uh, it's a character development that's as important as, or potentially more important than the physical development. Well, I think you you bring up a really good point. Is is <clears throat> sometimes we've been accused of this. Like we, you, you and I specifically have been have been told this that like, oh, we don't care about winning. Like, no, that's not true. Like, I and again, the three three out of the four of you have seen me coach a game before. Uh, I I don't hold back in the fact that like I'm extremely competitive. I don't like to lose. But at the same time, like as soon as the game's over, the game's over. I look at like what are the positives, what are the takeaways, and even as KP said earlier today, of like. The, the failure isn't like we have to take failure in the sense of like, all right, how do I go from there? Right. Like that's my first step in a growth. So, you know, what sometimes we get stuck, especially at the youth level, we get stuck in this idea. And I think partially it's a, it's a, the system issue. It's a, it's a cultural thing of like, everything has to be some sort of competition for a trophy. And we, we play in 17 different leagues and, which league is the best league, which league is the worst league. And if you're not performing, you're not good enough. And, and, uh, or even going back to the tryout mentality of like, listen, if you can't run a certain amount of time, if you can't juggle, you know, 50 times as a five-year-old, you're not going to be a good soccer player or, or things like that. And I think it, it doesn't leave room for sometimes my, my view of thinking, I know Dan and I, think the same way in this is and so does Dwayne and, and hopefully KP does this, this too like you know it takes time to develop players you don't know the environment that they've come from um that so you don't know what potentially they can do right I I don't even know like we've all seen players that at nine years old at 10 years old Dwayne was talking about a player that he saw in the fall that all of a sudden six months later is a completely different player. And even, even, even two months into the season in the fall, you wouldn't have thought that she would have had the development that she did. It's nothing to do with me. I don't do anything different for that kid that I do with anybody else. Right. Like I don't, I don't completely just only focus on her. The parents didn't all of a sudden like get her a personal trainer that works with her five other days out of the week, you know, in, in t- two hours a day when the other two days that she's not training, right. She's not doing anything else. She's being a 10 year old kid, like, like everybody else. It just happened to take her a little bit longer to develop than some other kids or, or it. So that I think is a hard part. Right. And I think that's the funny part at times about sports movies, right? Sports movies, if anything, teach you that like the underdog at times wins, right? The group of players that, that aren't the flashy ones at the beginning can learn and develop and play. And we all love these sports movies, right? We all love the mighty ducks. We all love the karate kid. Yet we all behave like the Hawks. We all behave like Cobra Kai. Like we all end up doing the wrong things at times. Um, and it and it boggles my mind that we can't understand that. Well, sometimes I think it's like your group of players really drive the winning philosophy, right? Like you may have a group of players that play together since they were nine years old. They're not really good. They're 14 now. But because they're, they have that togetherness, they have that team mentality, they'll be stronger than that team that's just very technical. They have that coach that comes in and does all these fancy drills and stuff. It's weird to see that underdog mentality. But I think it really all comes down to confidence, right? Like, for the team. Like, are you confident in what you're doing? When you go out and play against this other team that may be better than you, can you still do the things we worked on? Can you still receive with your front foot? Can you still break a lot? Can you still play the longest pass? Can you still do these things? 
and if you can, you're not, or even if you lose, were you successful at something? Like maybe it was we got over the midfield line two or three times. Great. Now, we, now as a coach, we know what to work on with you guys the next week. Like, hey, we're going to work on the middle third. Now the parents, the parents have to understand, like, Rome was not built in a day. <laughs> like, we are not going to go from one game playing, the, like, not being able to get out of our own half to winning 4 nothing in two weeks. Like, it's not going to happen. It's got to – we got to take baby steps. Like, for us, losing 5 nothing, we may have seen our outside backs take the ball with their front foot Every time they received it, that's a victory. Yeah. We've been preaching that for, for years, right? So that's a victory for us. So I think sometimes, you know, the parents have to understand we have those small check boxes we want to check off. And unfortunately, it comes at the expense of a soccer game. But here's the other part. And this is the other part that I think becomes an interesting dynamic is like, let's just say you are on that winning team, right? Let's just say you are on the team that has all the really good players. You got you have everything. You check all the boxes, right? How do you how do you still look to do that character development that is so important? Because at times, you know, we all say that it's sometimes easier to coach the really good kids, right? Like it's easier to coach a team that that knows what they're doing. Um, but then do you then build that culture that you don't want, right? Like ultimately, like you got a team that's really good, fantastic. You got, let's just say, 17 players that are all fantastic, all great. You don't skip a beat when you're when you're making subs, and all of a sudden the 18th player comes out and they're not at the same level as the rest of them, right? The, the amount of pressure that gets put on that kid, again, back to Dan's point, like the parents, all of a sudden, like, oh my god, why are you bringing in this kid? This kid can't play with my with my son with my daughter, like they're not good enough. And again, like our job is not <laughs> our job at the youth level. And, and even furthermore, our job at any sort of level when it comes to like still developing as a coach, right? Like our job as, as the Diamonds coaches, when, when, we, when we set foot in the summer, our job isn't going to be ju- to judge kids to whether they're good enough or not. Our job is to make them better than they were the day before. That regardless of the result, our job is to make them better, right? Like KP went to Shippensburg not to, not to just be like, to show up and become the, and be the best player on a team. She went to just grow as a player and as a person and ultimately get a degree in, 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 from a higher learning institution. But I, I think that's what it comes down to, right? Like even, even if we think about in the grand scheme of things, right. And the lifelong development of it, right. Take Messi, for example, right. Best player in the world. We're one of the best players in the world, whatever you want to call it. Right. Or take any soccer player ever. That's probably the professional level. You're not playing soccer till you're 80, right? You're not you're not playing soccer till you're 60. You're not hitting KP's retirement plan as a soccer player, right? At some point, worst case, best case scenario, best case scenario, what, 35, 36, 37? Like, you're still able to play at that high level? After that, what happens, right? So all of a sudden, a third of your life, you've spent on this, like, competitive mindset of, like, if I can't win, I'm not good enough, or, or this and that, like, and all of a sudden, you got to live the next two thirds of your life. So, the things we focus on for at the youth level, for the it, and going back to the the Mighty Ducks reference, right? Winning or losing at eleven years old, and whether you're good enough or not at eleven years old, really, at the best case scenario, we're trying to cut a kid because they're not good 
to do a skill that they're only, again, at most going to do for a third of their life. Well, I think also, you know, losing teaches you life lessons. I've, I've lost games and the way we lost or, you know, we may have been the better team or we just lost. We got our, we got our tails headed to us. It teach you life lessons. Like I, I credit the 07 boys, the 08 boys two weeks ago, played a team they had no business sharing the field with. Got their tails headed to them. But the next day they bounced back and it was a, it was like almost like a whole different team. They bounced back. They said, hey, you know what? That wasn't fun. We don't like that. Like we learned that, you know, coach was right. Like we receive on our front foot. We can play faster. We can prevent that ball from going to the back of the net. You know, I know now that this guy next to me depends on me and I have to work for him. So it teaches those life lessons too for teamwork and determination and those things too. So, you know, losing at 11 years old isn't the end of the world. Like it tells you, hey, you know, in the adult world, after I'm done playing soccer, I don't want to be a loser. Like I would always strive to be competitive and be the best that I can be. Like, so I think that's part of it too, is that, you know, if we're winning all the time, kind of expect things to be like handed to you. Yeah. Yeah. Say, um, piggyback off of everything you guys have just said, um, my first club team, we went defeated the whole, we lost every single game we played my first year playing and like trying to think back now to it. I don't think like we were ever negative to each other. I think like the importance of like the team culture and values really play a role in the thin line between like losing and winning. Um, Cause I do think winning is important to an extent because it reinforces us like in our behaviors. And then it, when you feel good, you play good. So I think that's why like, you know, winning is important, but going off of like the, um, the 18th player, like coming in and like their skill level or whatever is not like fully built to the rest of the team. I think that's where like your values and culture come into a play because um, like our values here, like we play for the person next to us. So like, if they can't do something on the field and they're on it, you know, we pick up the extra, like not slack, but like the extra run or the extra person that we need a man mark or something like that. Yeah. Um, but the little victories that Dwayne said, like, that's also a huge important thing at the culture here is um, we say like when you're in a game, like it's all one V one matches throughout the whole field. So like, if you beat the persons in front of you, that's already a small victory that you have won in that game, regardless of the outcome of the game. Um, so those were just my points to winning. No, that's no, no, you're absolutely right. And again, and I, and I think winning is important. Like winning is not a, like as, as, as Dan said too, like it's not, it shouldn't be underrated, right? Like, listen, we can, the four of us consider sit in a room and play monopoly. Uh, and if I lose, I'm not going to be happy about it, right? Like, I, I'm not going to say, "Oh man, like that was fun." Like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little upset. Obviously, you know, again, take it from a board game perspective of it. Like, am I really going to try to like find the life lesson in losing a Monopoly? No, but like, I'm going to say, like, well, if I play next time, I'm going to try to learn from what I did wrong or whatever. Um, sometimes it's luck, right? Sometimes, sometimes things go don't go your way. Sometimes you show up and it's a crappy raining field and you just have to live with it right some things there's things that you cannot control i think that's the thing that's that's tough right like we sometimes focus so much so much on the things that we can't control 
right? You can't control whether you show up and there's a kid in there, like, especially at 10 or 11 year old, especially on the girl side too, like any in the boy side too, like you can't show up if you got a, they got the other team has one player that's just that much bigger, faster and stronger than anybody on your team. We, we you can't control that at certain points, right? I even bring it to the world stage of soccer, right? I, I made this point to my dad because um, we were talking about this. Denmark played somebody, I forget who it was in the World Cup qualifiers, beat him 8 nothing. Like, this is a national team playing against another national team. The two best players from two countries in Europe and the difference in between the two of them is eight, eight goals, right? Japan won a World Cup qualifier the other day, 12 nothing. Again, right? Like, so it's not like we're well, all of a sudden. What those 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 national team players have to stop playing soccer? If you lost eight nothing, you're no longer good enough, right? You get cut. You're no longer playing, right? Like you're 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 out, done. You might as well just hang up your boots right there. Don't don't show up ever again. No, you just you work harder, right? You, you try to figure out what what you can fix, right? Maybe we don't have the quality of players to be able to qualify for the World Cup. All right, well. What is our what is going to be our win, right? Maybe in the World Cup qualifiers, we're not going to make the top place in the group or top two of the group, whatever it is in the in Europe. Maybe our goal is, you know, out of X amount of points, we're going to try to get half the points. We're going to try to get a third of the points, and that's a win for us, right? Like that's development. I think that's where that's where it comes in. Um, for sure, a long topic of discussion. We can probably do like a three hour episode on this, but we're not going to because people don't want to hear a lot. Um, we're going to move on to the player of the match, though. Um, I'm going to go first. My player of the match is Minnesota United. Uh, it's a club that we've talked about quite a bit, but they just uh, picked up a former Boca Juniors player on loan uh, or just came from Boca Juniors, Juan um, Chope Avila, who is going to, I think, score a ton of goals in the MLS. And they also signed homegrown player Patrick Wea. Cousin of Tim Weah, nephew of George Weah. Oh, they'll have a target on their chest. <laughs> There's the joke. Uh, so, so yeah. So that's uh, that's my player of the match. So where was Patrick during these uh, World Cup or this Olympic qualifier <laughs> in Minnesota? <laughs> uh, Duane. I'm gonna give mine to the 2011 and 2012 boys. Uh, the second teams that I coached helped coach this weekend. Uh, they are a lot of fun to watch and to see develop. Um, so they got some results. They were competitive in all of their games, but they extremely competed, broke lines. Like I said, played on that front foot. They're doing all the little things right. And the result might not come today or tomorrow, but they're doing all the little things right to be able to be successful soccer players. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, Dan. What? You got player of the match? No? Uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> KP, you got anybody? I was say, please don't judge me either, um, but I don't as well. No. Just say John Stones. John Stones. <laughs> I mean, he could always be, you know. <laughs> number one but um yeah all right cool all right well we're gonna move on to uh on this day in soccer history all right april 2nd 2005 2005 is that what it was 
I believe so. Um, Jose Mourinho. Actually, sorry, 2011. 2011. Uh, Jose Mourinho loses his first home game that he's had ever coached. Um, he went 150 games unbeaten at any home field that he had ever coached in. Uh, and this started from uh, since February 23rd, 2002. Um, I'm sure he had, be- he had lost at home before in Porto, but since 2002, for nine years, he had not lost a home game. Uh, until when he was playing with Real Madrid, with Real Madrid, when he was coaching Real Madrid, he lost to Sporting Gijón one nothing in the Bernabeu. Um, so, just to kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about here, nine years. All right. So, uh, Porto, thirty-eight matches unbeaten at home. Chelsea, sixty unbeaten matches at home. All sixty of his first stint at at, at Chelsea. 38 matches at Inter Milan. That was all 38 home games that he played at Inter Milan. Didn't lose a game at home. Uh, and his first 14 matches at Real Madrid, which he actually won all 14 of them. So, yeah, that's uh, that's quite the uh, quite the streak. 150 home game unbeaten streak. You think he realized that? Oh, for sure. Heck yeah, this pressure wouldn't realize that. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. 100% you realize that. All right. So, uh, so yeah, that was on this day in soccer history, April 2nd, 2011. Uh, 150 game unbeaten streak at home, lost. Um, all right. Um, fair play of the week. Mine goes to the Apoquinimic School District uh, for allowing us to use our field again. Uh, so, we are back at Apo Fields, uh, which is exciting. Um, it allows us to have an alternate location whenever it rains and MV is flooded. Uh, it allows us to be able to train. So uh, the Apicone School District and all of their staff uh, for opening the gates, op- turning on lights and things like that. That's uh, it's really good. So, um, yeah, mine goes out to them. I got to go find my Apicone t-shirt. I got a free t-shirt from Apo. <laughs> you did. A free t-shirt. Hey, KP, do you have any free t-shirts you can send to Dwayne? Uh, she said I do, just didn't mute her. Yeah, I over mute. I do have some free t-shirts. I have free hoodies. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Dwayne. Dwayne just okay. like free t-shirts. Yeah, raid the equipment room. I need it all. <laughs> Chip happens. You see, I already got the... The anchor? That's the right. anchor. The ship it just, anchor. It just to clarify, Dan said ship happens. Absolutely. I want to make I want to make sure I want to make sure we clarify that because no, it's still G rated out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said it like in the mix of other people talking, so it may have gotten uh, misunderstood. Oh. But no, no, no. Yes, I just, I just want to clarify that that's what he said. So there is a T-shirt made in the bookstore of that. So there you go. Um. So yeah, uh, Dwayne, you got you got fair play. Look, piggyback and say thanks to Apo because without them, I would have been able to trade yesterday. Uh, so thanks to them. And then also want to thank my assistant coach, Rob Joshua, running training yesterday. Numbers were good. Boys needed to get out and train. I had another obligation, so shout out to them. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, KP and Dan, I'm, I'm assuming uh, we don't we don't have a fair – oh, no, KP's got one. Oh, KP's um, got I one. I do. 
Um, so I think this really relates to a lot of what we talked about today. We have like a faculty athletic memo mentor at ship. So she does a lot of like team bonding and, um, stuff like that with us. So she left, um, the last session we had saying you can either be a, a, a finger player or a thumb player and you can, and the finger player is you point your fingers and blame everyone else versus like using your thumb to point at you and thinking, thinking of what you bring to the team and the value. So I really like that. So I'm going to shout out, um, her name is Dr. Clements and she is a professor at ship and also our fam for the team. So that's awesome. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Be a finger player, or a thumb player. Mm-hmm. I'm so, going I'm to borrow. I'm, oh yeah. We're going to borrow that. <laughs> we are going, Oh, um, that might actually be the title of the episode. Mm-hmm. Are you a finger player or a thumb player? <laughs> um i like that i i actually really like that yeah uh soccer dan you got a you got a fair player now uh i would say yes um okay uh shout out to uh governor carney for Mm -hmm. you know again taking a look at the numbers and relaxing restrictions um you know it's it's interesting so many people in sports have gotten used to wearing the mask. Now it, it sounds to me like there's going to be restrictions or relaxed. Um, again, just hopefully uh, we're not idiots about it and we're able to keep it going. So we don't go backwards. Yep. Um, you know, as I do hear all quite frequently that we're tired of wearing masks. You know, the kids shouldn't have to wear a mask. Well, as long as we're responsible about it, kids, We'll hopefully not ever have to wear a mask to play a sport again. So, again, shout out to uh, to him. Good, yeah, um, for sure. That was that's was really good and a really good update on the COVID guidelines too. Yeah, so hopefully that uh, that sticks. That's what we're hoping for. So, all right. Well, I mean, KP, what a what a great episode. Uh, I don't even. I've lost track of time. Um, well, considering Dwayne needed to sleep for an extra 20 minutes, oh, <laughs> we man. are ending a little later. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. It's okay. Yeah. Man, she really just came at you there. No hard feelings, though. It's all good. I, I did have to sleep, so it's all good. I can't be. Yeah. Uh, Sagar Dan, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's great to be here. It's a good way to kick off um, our spring break. Yeah. Hope everybody enjoys whatever holiday you're celebrating. Happy Easter um, to everybody. Happy spring break to everybody. Um, enjoy your time off. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, uh, we will see you all next week. Uh, next week, Strive is coming on for their first official like monthly um monthly segment so that's going to be really exciting so all right well thanks for joining us this week and remember always receive the ball on your front foot